Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Here they are, The Quiz Kids. Yes, it's America's famous classroom of the air, all set for another fast, competitive session of questions and answers. Later in the program, we have another treat in store for you, because tonight's guest is singing star Rosemary Clooney. And now, with his question box filled to the brim, here is our chief quizzer himself, Oliver Cabell. Hello, everyone, and quiz kids, here's your first question. You'll find a lot of names if you looked in Who's Who, but what would you expect to find in Sutton Who? Well, we'll give you a minute to think that one over while we have roll call. Pat? I am Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 14 years old, and I'm a uh, sophomore at Calumet High School in Chicago. Lonnie? I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 15 years old, and I'm a junior at Maine Township High School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Rochelle? I'm Michelle Ebling. I'm 11 years old, 7th grade at the Gale School, Chicago, Illinois. Frankie? I'm Frankie Vanderplug, and I'm 7 years old, and at in fall, be in 2B at the Mount Vernon School in Chicago, Illinois. And Sally Ann? I'm Sally Ann Wilhelm. I'm 12 years old. This fall, I'll be in 8th grade in Central Junior High School in Elkhart, Indiana. By the way, Sally Ann, I understand that tonight marks your 50th appearance as a quiz kid. Congratulations. Thank you very and, much. And congratulations for just getting a split second ahead of two others on this first uh, uh, question, which was, you'd find a lot of names in Who's Who, but what would you expect to find in Sutton Who? What do you say, Sally Ann? Well, uh, Sutton Who is the estate in uh, Suffolk, England, where they found the... Uh, uh, what is left of an old ship, uh, just the outline of the ship imprinted in sand, and they found uh, the helmets of um, several very early Anglian kings and uh, buckle, golden buck, buckles and uh, belts and uh, knives and yeah, swords and things like that's that. That's right. Well, you've really been reading up on it. I can see... You know, Pat, you were so close. Uh, do you know a little more about it? You well, can... uh, yes, they, uh, they tried to find out exactly what king or what uh, nobleman uh, this was that the, uh, it was called the cenotaph, I believe, was dedicated to. And they uh, narrowed it down, I believe. They thought it was a king, and they figured out it was a Christian king, and they thought the name was uh, something like Good King Anna or something like that. I think that was the king that they figured uh, all those things uh, belonged to or were in memoration of Well, it was a very wonderful find. I can see you both know uh, the story very well. That's good. Now, on this next question, I'll give you nicknames that belong to sports figures, but they could also suggest biblical people. Try to get two out of three. Here is the first nickname. See if you know to whom the nickname belongs and who in the Bible it might suggest. The Boston Strong Boy. Huh? Well, that would be Ted Williams, and of course, in the Bible, that would suggest Samson, a strong boy in the Bible. Say, that's, that's good, but did anybody else have an idea for a Boston strong boy? Uh, Rochelle? Well, it might have been David when he killed Goliath. He was quite strong. Well, uh, yes, that's so, but uh, uh, Ted Williams was a good answer for a Boston strong boy, but you didn't oh, well, go oh. back quite as far as oh. we want. Yes, Pat? Uh, I was, uh, it could also be uh, Vern Stevens, I think. 
<laughs> Does anybody else know, you know, a Boston uh, strong boy? Well, uh, Lonnie? I'm not sure. Was that Jimmy Fox? Uh, you and your baseball <laughs> players. <laughs> we wanted to say John L. Sullivan, you know. He was oh. a wonderful heavyweight champion once. <laughs> All right, that goes back quite a way. How about this nick nickname belonging to a, to a sports figure? Old Roman. Pat? Well, that was uh, uh, Charles Comiskey the first. And right. in the Bible, yeah. well, it could be any of the Romans. It could be Caesar. That's good. That's pretty good. Just a Caesar one. All right. Now, how about Mr. Inside? Lonnie? Well, that was Glenn Davis of the, uh, or rather, Doc Blanchard of That's Army's right. great team of four, you know, during the war. Yes. And Mr. Inside. Could that suggest anybody in the Bible? Huh? Well, it would suggest two to me. Daniel in the lion's den. He was inside the lion's den. And also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they were in the fiery furnace. The they were all furnace. inside. Hey, that's all right. Or Jonah in the whale. Yeah. Hey, there were a lot or of Noah in the ark. All right, that's good. Here's your next question, kids, and look out because it's tricky. What do Tiny Tim and a whack corporal have in common? Frankie? Well, I think that, let's see, the Black Corporal and the Tiny Tim are both rockets, yes. in my case. Yes. And um, the Black Corporal is usually carried on the nose of another rocket, and in my case, that's called the V-2. And um, when the V-2 gets to a certain height, it's shot off. Yeah. And let's see, the Tiny Tim is usually carried on the underside of the fuselage of an airplane yes. outside, and then it's shot off. Yes. And um, the tiny Tim, you might think, is a pretty tiny rocket, but really it's about at least 10 feet long and about one foot round. Wonderful, Frank. <laughs> oh, that's great. Say, suppose royalty and opera were to visit us, and upon their arrival, we wanted to play appropriate music to suggest their title. Who might the operatic visitor be if he had a title suggested by the first line of this song? <laughs> Sally Ann? Well, that was one little, two little, three little Indians, and that usually suggests uh, counting. So that would be a count, and... Uh... There's Count Monterado in uh, Rigoletto by Verdi and Count Almovado in uh, The Barber of Seville and also The Marriage of Figaro. And then there's a Count Soprano in Rigoletto, too. Well, that's four. That's very good. Did you know some, Pat? Uh, there's a Count de Luna in El Trovatore, too. Yes. Well, that's good. That's five. That's wonderful. Now we have a second part to this. Uh, who would be arriving as suggested by the name of this tune? Well, all right, Pat. Well, the, the name of the song is Blues in the Night, and of course yeah. my mama done told me. And, and uh, uh, the name of the tune would suggest somebody arriving that was sort of royalty, royalty. or... Uh, Lonnie? Well, there'd be a knight, and a that knight. would be the knight that arrived in Lohengrin, I guess. That's or else the most in famous. Parsifal, there were several knights. And that's it, Grace. that's it. That's what we want. Thanks, Lonnie. <laughs> 
say the Army football team has a mascot that would probably have felt more at home on what famous football team in history? Lonnie? Well, uh, the mascot is a goat. Oh, no. Pat? The Army mascot is a mule. Mule, yeah. And uh, I think there were the seven mules were... Uh, they now, were what, famous, what was the most famous football team? A famous team? football team. Uh, the seven mules, they were a football line. I think it was... Uh, seven mules, yeah. Either Notre Dame or Fordham. I don't remember. There were both some famous... Those were both yes, famous lines. Yes, so far, so good, I think Pat. it was Notre Dame. I'd That's right. It was Notre, the Notre Dame line of 24. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to hold a little courtroom session on this question about literary accounts of criminal deeds. I've got my gavel here. So now we can proceed. Kids, you're going to hear testimony that might have been given by an eyewitness. From the clues in the testimony, you are to identify the witness and tell us who the witness was and why he wasn't qualified to testify. All right, court is now in session. Will the court clerk read the testimony of the first witness as it was given? Yes, Your Honor. Well, I was standing there, minding my own business, when they came in and sat down opposite from one another. It was half past twelve, and I could tell there was going to be a fight. Suddenly, he started in, barking at her, and then they tore at one another. Bits of her dress went flying around the room as he knocked her about, and she got at him, too. I didn't know what to do, and I covered my face with my hands. All right. That will be all. Kids, who was the witness? Why would I have to disqualify him, Pat? Well, that was uh, from the uh, poem by Eugene Field called The Duel, and it starts the gingham dog and the calico cat, and I think... There was an old Dutch clock that told a story there, and, of course, old Dutch clocks can't speak. There was also a Chinese plate that yeah. was supposed to have related the story, and, of course, everybody knows that they can't talk, so... That's <laughs> right. That's why it was disqualified. All right. Uh, now the clerk may read the testimony given in a different case. You may proceed, Mr. Donovan. Well, I saw the whole thing. You see, this one member of the crew got real mad at their leader for killing one of his buddies. And after he had his say, the sailor started to walk away, but he didn't get very far because the other threw his crutch at him. It hit him between the shoulders, and he lay there unconscious. Pieces of eight, pieces of eight. He, he really had him. Uh, uh, Lonnie? Well, it's from the story Treasure Island. I believe the witness was Jim, who was in the apple barrel. Uh, let's see. No, no. Pat? Well, uh, it was from the story Treasure Island. Long John Silver was the one who threw the crutch, but uh, the pieces of eight at the end there suggest Long John Silver's parrot, and I don't think they allow animal witnesses, the parrot. That's uh, right. Talking birds. Parrot. That's what we want. <laughs> You'll usually find both sorrow and joy in news headlines, but this week there seems to be more, more joy in the news from the Far East. Can you explain why? Well, uh, there happens to be Vice Admiral uh, Charles Turner Joy is heading the, uh, the people to go to uh, Kaesong to head the peace conference with uh, the Reds. Vice Admiral Joy. That's right. That's the right answer. Okay. Kids, you know you've been waiting to uh, meet our guest tonight. You've heard many of her records, and you saw a feature story about her in this week's Life magazine. And now, here she is in person, currently appearing at the Chicago Theater. That vivacious singing star, Rosemary Clooney. (laughs) 
Rosemary, welcome to the Quiz Kids. Thank you, Mr. Capel. I'm glad to be here. Kids, I asked Rosemary to make up a question for you based on songs. Are you ready with that question now, Rosemary? Yes, I am, and here it is. Kids, I'm going to sing two songs that should remind you of the story of Alice in Wonderland. Here's the first song. Which character would it remind you of? I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. And when I wave, I lose the time I save. My fuzzy ears and whiskers took me too much time to say. Frankie? That reminds me of the white rabbit. That's exactly right. That's fine. Here's, here's the second song. Uh, which part did this play in the story? Flamingo Like a flame in the sky Flying over the island To my lover nearby Sally Ann, I think you were first. Well, uh, they used fl flamingos for croquet mallets in Alice in Wonderland. That's right. Wonderful. Well, Rosemary, we can't let you leave without hearing you sing one of your special songs. Thank you, Mr. Capel. I just recently recorded one that I like very much. It's called Mixed Emotion. Fine. How about doing that for us right now? When it comes to loving you, I know I shouldn't like the things you shouldn't do, but if you were perfect, it wouldn't be the same. To a tiger, a tiger, not a tiger, if he's tame. But when I'm near you, I am happy, just alone with you. But when you're far away, from me, I'm awfully blue. You're the bitter and the sweet combined. So what am I to do? I have mixed emotions. Thank you so much. We've certainly enjoyed having you in our classroom tonight. I've enjoyed tonight. it so much. Goodbye, kids. Goodbye. <laughs> well, kids, scientists tell us that you can combat hot weather if you take C3H4OH and COOH3 plus C12H22O11 
And H2O. If you followed this formula, what do you think you'd get? Huh? Well, uh, first, we better explain that first one was citric acid. That's and right. And the uh, second one was the formula for sugar. That's how you make sugar. And the last one, of course, is water. You combine those together and you get a cooling glass of lemonade. I... Sounds easy, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> oh, my. Well, most people whistle for their dogs, of course. But suppose a man used a special type of whistle to call his dog. The type of whistle being appropriate to the name of the dog's breed. What type of dog would most likely be called with the type of whistle you're about to hear? Here's the first one. Lonnie? Well, that sounds like a police whistle. That'd be a police dog. Police dog. That's the idea. Now the second one. That's the hard one. Rochelle? Sounds like a siren. Yes, but what kind of dog? Lonnie? Well, it didn't sound like a siren to me. It sounded like the wind whistling. Which well, that's right. That's Saint what Bernard. It... Why do you say St. Uh, Bernard? Well, because St. Bernard's are known for their oh. feats in rescuing... Through the uh, storm. The that's a storm. good answer. Very fine. Did you have one, Well, pet? as far as storms go, it's kind of far-fetched, but any dog that was snow white, you know... Uh, yes, well, now just let's analyze a little. What is wind, anyway? What, what is wind? That's what it was. It was wind. Lonnie? Well, wind is air in motion. It might be an Airedale. Airedale. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, now, now we come to the third sound. <laughs> Pat that's got that. That's a wolf whistle. Might be a wolfhound. Russian wolfhound. Yeah. All right, good. Dave, if we had started out as a monarchy with all our presidents as kings and their wives queens, who would have been Abigail II? Sally Ann? Well, that would have been uh, Millard Fillmore's wife, yeah. Abigail Powers. Before that's she right, Abigail him. Powers. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, Sally Ann, this isn't part of the question, but... Uh, could you tell me who would have been Abigail the first? Well, uh, Abigail Adams. Abigail Adams. Well, good enough. Now, here's the second part that does count. Well, who would have been Anna the first? Sally Ann again? Uh, William, William Henry Harrison's wife, Anna Sims. Anna Sims. Yeah. That's right. Good. She, she was in the White House for... Uh, she was his first wife. That's right. All right, now, quiz kids, I know you're anxious to hear more about the little war orphan you're adopting. And so we're not going to keep you in suspense any longer. This week, we found out that the child selected for you to adopt is a young girl by the name of Rosette Tylert. Rosette is an 11-year-old Belgian girl. Now, of course, your contribution assures her food and shelter under the foster parents' plan. But I know you're all anxious to do everything you can to make Rosette's life a happier one. Now, what things do you suppose we ought to plan on doing for Rosette? Let's everyone have a little suggestion. Do you have one, Frankie? Well, um, let's see. I just forgot it, but, um, maybe this one would do anyway. If she's living in just a shelter... Maybe we could pay a little bit of money for bricks and send them over, and then she, she could probably have a real big, a real pretty brick house. Oh, I see. In. 
Fine. Well, that's good, Rochelle. Well, I think we should send her some games. Games? And maybe some new dresses I think she'd like. And then I think we should send her an, a dictionary for English and Belgian language. Uh -huh. So then, and then we could write her letters, because I'm sure she'd like to receive yes, letters. Yes, she certainly would. Lonnie? Well, I think one of the most important things is what Rochelle brought out, writing letters. I think that if we, we should write a lot of letters yeah. all the time and let her know that we're really in back of her. That's good. Sally Ann? Well, uh, they, I don't know, but they probably need food, so you could send them care packages. It, it wouldn't help just her, it'd help... It, it helped uh, get more war orphans in, the, in the, that home. Okay. It helped them all. Yes, Pat? Well, I agree with Lonnie. I think we should send uh, letters and lots of them and emphasize in the letters how much we, uh, we like her and how much we'd like to have her here and how we do enjoy taking care of her. Well, I think those letters would be fine. I think the things we'd say in the letters would be very important. So what are some of the other things we might write her? Do you have something on that, Frankie? Well, this isn't what you might write her, but you could give her a letter and a surprise at the same time and money at the same time by sending a by sending her a letter with a with a dollar in, like most of the letters I get. Oh, <laughs> well, say you're lucky, Sally Ann. Well, I think we should send her le letters full of news of the United States and what's happening over here, so she can get a better idea of of us and like we write letters to foreign countries at home they ask us to correct them on their english and uh things like that because uh well english is such a difficult language with all its different verbs and things like that fine well i think those are all good and i'm sure you have more but we have something special here that we want to be sure to give plenty of time we're going to have a regular race to see how quickly you children can recognize the music certain composers wrote for piano. Rochelle and Lonnie, you two children both play piano. So suppose you step over to the two pianos while I tell you more about this. Helen Morton will play opening bars of a classical composition. If any of you children recognize it, put up your hands, that is any of you three up there, put up your hands and I'll call on you to identify it. But Rochelle or Lonnie, if either of you recognize the number and think you can play it, you are not to raise your hand. Instead, start right in playing the number with Miss Morton. And as soon as she hears one of you playing, she'll stop, and you are to continue playing the number. Is that clear to you? Whichever one of you starts first, of course, will continue playing. So you can see this is something of a race between you. All right, Helen. <laughs> Well, they, they, they both started without, uh, uh, without knowing the other one was, but Rochelle seemed to start a couple of notes ahead. So uh, what was that number that you were playing, Rochelle? The Rondo Capriccioso by Felix Bertoldi Mendelssohn. That's right. All right, now let's have the second.
That was Lonnie, and that was fine. What was the name of that that you were playing? Uh, that's the arabesque number one in E major by Claude Debussy. Good. Now the third one. started playing at exactly the same time. Who wants to tell me what the number was? Rochelle? It was the Revolutionary Tude by Frederick Chopin. Very good. That was fine. Children, you may go back to your desks now. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> they say you can't tell a book by its cover, but let's find out if you can tell by its chapter headings. Uh, what is the, here is the first intriguing chapter title. Of what, in what book will you find it? The Winged Monkeys. What book? Lonnie? Uh, the Wizard of Oz. That's right. The Wizard of Oz. All right, here is the second. In what book will you find this chapter heading? The Pirate's Funeral. Pat? Well, that might be in Treasure Island. No. I'll give you another. Rochelle? Maybe in Peter Pan. No. I'll give you another title from the same book. The Pup and the Pinch Bug. Sally Ann? Huh? Mm. Huh? It sounds like something from the Dr. Doolittle series. (laughs) It's from Tom Sawyer. All right, that was sort of a miss, I guess, or a half a miss. How many proverbial don'ts can you associate with farming, such as don't cry over spilt milk? Sally Ann? Oh, don't cut your chickens before they're hatched. That's good. And uh, don't play horse. Don't play horse, all right. Yeah, that's good, Pat. Well, don't change horses in the middle of the stream and don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's fine. Those are very good. All right. If certain characters from Shakespeare came to live in the United States, they might settle down in cities that have the same name they have. What character from All's Well That Ends Well would feel most at home in a certain city in Montana? Sally Ann? Well, that would probably be Helena... Uh, capital, Helena, Montana. That's right. Helena is the capital of Montana. All right. What uh, character from As You Like It would feel most at home in a certain city in Florida? In Florida. A character from As You Like It. Don't know that, Lonnie? St. Augustine. Oh, no. The Orlando. Orlando. That's it. That's it. All right. All right. Patriotic thoughts have inspired many great poems by American poets. I'm going to read excerpts from a couple of these poems, and you are to name the subject of the poem to which the lines were addressed. If you think you remember the poem well enough, you might even recite the first few lines for us. Humanity with all its fears, with all its hopes of future years, is hanging breathless on thy faith. I only had to get a few words out of that one. Sally Ann? Well, that is speaking of the ship of state, and uh, in this case, I think it refers to the United States, and I think the first lines are, thou too sail on, O ship of state, sail on, O union, strong and great. Then it goes into that part. That is right. That's correct. See if we can get the second part of this. Here are some more lines that mention a ship. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. All right, Sally Ann. 
Well, uh, that's O Captain, My Captain by Walt Whitman, and it's speaking of Abraham Lincoln as uh, the captain. It starts, I think... Uh... All right, you got it, you got it. Fair enough. There goes the bell quiz, kids. And that signals the end of our question session for tonight. The judges are busy totaling your, store, your scores, and while they're about it, I have more news for you about Rosette Tyler, the 11-year-old Belgian girl you quiz kids are adopting. Next Sunday, Mr. Otto K. Eitel of the Foster Parents Plan will be here, and he'll bring along some pictures of Rosette so you know what your foster child looks like. What's more, he's going to tell you Rosette's life story. And I'll tell you right now that Rosette's story is a very touching one. And when you hear it, you're going to be very glad that you're adopting her. It should be an inspiration to all our listeners, too. Now, children, let's look at tonight's report cards. Remember, whether you win or lose, you each receive a United States savings bond for your future education. As a class, you missed one question this evening. Sally Ann was first, Pat was second, and Lonnie third. So we'll expect you three back in class next Sunday to compete with Ruth Manister, age 13, and Harvey Deitch, age 8. We hope all you listeners will be present in class next Sunday, too. Until then, this is Oliver Capel dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Bye. Goodbye, Mr. Capel. to the Quiz Kids coast to coast every Sunday evening and also see and hear the Quiz Kids television program on NBC. Consult your local newspaper for time and station. This is Greg Donovan speaking. Quiz Kids.